All right, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was crucified. Three days later, he arose from the dead, and then he was seen by many people, as many as 500 at one time for 40 days. And then he ascended to heaven, and he told his followers. He said, I'm going away, and it's, it's important, it's expedient that I go away because I'm going to send the Spirit. I'm, I'm going to send, the Father has made a promise to my body, and the only way for it to happen is for me to go away so I can send the promise of my Father. And you know about 120 people gathered in an upper room. And about 10 days after they had first met, they just sit and they waited. And the Bible tells us in the second chapter of Acts that the day of Pentecost had fully come. It was time for it to happen, and it happened the way God said it would happen. And it was a promise of God. And that the Lord would actually pour out his spirit on all flesh. Everybody there, all flesh, all 120 people were there. After that occurred, something that's never talked about happened. I'm going to try to explain it in a, in a modern term or... In, in, in modern day terms that we all can better understand it quickly this morning and that is Satan was upset about the empty tomb because that's when Jesus defeated death hell see the, the cross without the empty grave is not your salvation it took both it took both actions for you to have Hallelujah, forgiveness of sins. So we talk about the cross of Jesus, but we also talk about that empty grave, man. We do. And Satan was upset because he knew what was going to happen next. And he knew that the day of Pentecost was fastly, he knew he was about 50 days away from major trouble. And he could not stop the power of God from being poured out on man, so he opted with plan two, and that was and still is to stop man from receiving or believing they can have access to the power of God, the filling of the Spirit. Now, when I say those words right there, this is the second time I've repeated this today, when I say about being filled with the Spirit, automatically most people's mind go directly to the gift of speaking in tongues. I will talk about that in a minute, but that's where most people have been robbed because either they have been majorly distracted, majorly lied to about it, or majorly only focused and narrowed the feeling of the Spirit only to one type of manifestation. And so, because the need of the hour 
is what it is, and the birth pangs of this earth are getting like a woman in labor and the contractions are getting closer and closer together, then we as the body of Christ, we need to understand that because of the hour and the birth pains and the signs and the wars and rumors of wars, that the church must not settle for anything less than functioning and being filled with this spirit because we're at a critical time in the history of mankind. So, I want to tell you this. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to explain this because we've got people that were raised all kind of ways. We've got people that were raised no kind of way. So, let me just give everybody a little preface real quick. I was raised in a Pentecostal denominational church. I went to a Pentecostal-based Bible college. And I have seen a lot of things taking place in a Pentecostal environment that is not according to the Word of God. Now, this is going to, this is going to derail... If you're not careful, this is going to shake a lot of people because. But see, the Bible says, and this is why you got to pray for me this morning. The Bible says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Now, the truth is not man-made doctrine. The, man, the truth is not somebody's statement of faith or tenets of somebody's faith or core values or denominal principles that people... The truth is the Word of God standing alone by itself without any outside influence of man. That's what the truth is. So a lot of people, and I don't think people meant intentionally to be wrong, but the Bible tells us to study to show ourselves approved. So the way a lot of people have grown up in all types of churches, you just believe what somebody said, somebody else said, somebody else said, and a lot of people have never been told, you look into the wonderful words of life and see what thus saith the Lord yourself. Because God is no respect the person. If God will reveal his word to Isaiah and Paul and John and David and Billy Graham and everybody else, he's not an impartial God. He can still reveal his same word to you. He's that good of a God. Amen. So let's start right here. God, our Father, gave us his Son. Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior, gave us his flesh and his body and his blood. And he gave us also in this life abundant life. And then Jesus Christ gave us, he said, I've got to go away. I just told you this. I've got to go away so I can send you the Spirit. I, I'm the Father's promised it. And so he said, I've got to leave so you can be given this, this gift. And so the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit says, my job is to give you power.
power to give you boldness. I'm going to go over some of this stuff later on to give you gifts, miracles, all kind of equipment because you are the church and God loves you enough to send me as your personal helper to get the job done. This is why you read, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell can't prevail against a power-filled, spirit-filled church. All right. Now, a lot of people are under the impression that after the day of Pentecost, that two parts of the Trinity are still working, or the Godhead, but one is either semi-retired or fully retired. That's completely contrary to the Bible. They're all equal. Jesus said he didn't think it was robbery to come to... The, does everybody listen to me right now? I need you to listen. Online, if you're distracted by a remote, I need you to listen. Unless it's a medical emergency, and we can pray about that. I don't need anybody to do anything but listen to what I'm saying or what the Lord's saying today. So, all three are still in operation. God's not an imperfect God, amen? God's not a God of out of control. God's in full control. So, the same Holy Spirit that was given on the day of Pentecost is not retired and kicked back on an island in heaven somewhere while God just still is referred to as God and Jesus just still saves people from sin. The Holy Spirit is still at work like he was 2,000 years ago. So we have God giving us Jesus, Jesus giving us his, the bread of life and then giving us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gifting and giving power to the church. Now, I, you can better get an understanding of this if you imagine a track meet going on and runners racing and one handing a baton off to another and running and one handing a baton off to another. Well, all of this is taking place and we can see this. We can see God in the beginning dealing with Adam, Noah, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, and then we see Jesus coming along, and Jesus is dealing with John the Baptist, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Mary Magdalene, and Paul. Later on, he would deal with Paul, and then the Holy Spirit would come along and deal with the church and deal with individuals in the church as well as the collective body as the church. And then... All of this is going on. God's always dealt with man. And then soon and very soon, the rapture will occur. And then what I just told you, you're going to kind of see this happen in reverse. The Holy Spirit's here working through mankind, working through the church to do the work of the Lord, the ministry of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and all those things. But then now Jesus Christ is going to step back onto the clouds onto the scene and he's going to rapture the church and he's going to take us home to be with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Ghost. And there will ever be. So God's always dealt with man in one capacity or other or, and he will always deal with mankind. So God is very present. He's a very present help. Amen? 
in our time of need. But he's also always a very present help anyway under any circumstance. And so is the Son. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And so is the Holy Ghost. Peter said, it's not just for you, but it's for them as many as are far off. I'll read the verse to you in a minute. Now, the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, is not salvation. It's not salvation, folks. Salvation is when you say, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe that the blood of Jesus could wash away my sins and my, the guilty stains I have. I believe that without the shed blood of Jesus being applied to my life, I am doomed and destined and on my way to hell. That's salvation. That's what salvation is. You've got to call on the name of the Lord in order to be saved. All right? You can't just go to church, do churchy looking things, but you've got to actually know Jesus Christ in an intimate way. You've got to repent. You've got to know him like you know nobody else on this earth. You've got to know Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. That's not the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's salvation. You have to have salvation to get into heaven. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say a lot of things today that a lot of people are going to say, hmm, I've never heard that or I didn't think of that or I don't agree with that, but it's okay. I'm only sharing to you the Bible today. I'm not sharing to you something I read off the Internet or a book by some scholar somewhere. I'm talking about the Word of God that he breathed, okay? All right. Now, the Holy Spirit has a, a great arsenal of weapons. We have the weapons of our warfare, the armor of God, the Holy Spirit gives us boldness to put that on, and I'm, I'm going to talk about that. But we are also given gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and we're also given fruit. We're able to bear fruit because of the Spirit. That's His job. Now, when you are saved, you can't be saved without the Spirit drawing you and being involved. But being saved and having the Spirit of God is not the same thing as being baptized in the Spirit of God, and I'll explain that. All right. Now, the Holy Spirit gives us the gifts, and the Holy Spirit renders the fruit, and the gifts of the, uh, the Spirit are talked about in 1 Corinthians 12. You can go home and read this. And Paul spent a lot of time, not only, he starts out by talking about the anatomy of the human body. And he tells you that the human body can't say, well, I don't need the foot anymore because I'm the hand. I don't need the nose anymore because I'm the eyes or I'm the ears. He goes in and, and he goes in great detail and talks about that, and then he relates that over to the body of Christ the, and the, the gifts of the Spirit. He says, you can't say that because you're not gifted with this gift, that that gift's not important anymore and no longer useful. See, because I told you, God is a God of complete. God doesn't have, he said, Jesus is the head and we are the body. Jesus is not walking around like this and he's got one arm that's dead or not working or not needed anymore. The whole body 
fitly together. Everything's got a purpose. All the gifts have a purpose, just like all the armor has a purpose. All of this goes together. God designed it. God put it together just like he put man together, just like he put the earth together, like he put his word together. God is not a God of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. But he's a, he's a good God that loads us down with benefits, and he makes sure that his stuff is going to work right if nobody else's stuff's working right. So God gives the gifts, and he talks all about them. He says you, you cannot talk about one gift not being any good anymore or not needed anymore. You can't do that. Paul said that, not Opie, okay? Paul said it. Go read 1 Corinthians 12, and then if you want to know more about the fruit of the Spirit, you just go read Galatians chapter 5. It'll tell you all about it. But what is the benefit of being filled with the Spirit? What is the benefit? Well, being filled with the Spirit, as I just said, you know, you, you were told to put on the whole armor of God. But I, I want you to go back to Calvary with me, 2,000 years for just a minute, and I want you to imagine a man standing around a fire doing this right. Take your hands and do them like that. Yep. That's what Peter was doing. He was warming his hands by fire. And as he was warming his hands by fire, you see, there, there's two, two distinct things that take place prior to Pentecost. There's two things that are taking place that shows you the difference in being filled with the Spirit and the whole armor of God. And a lot of people say, well, when you get saved, that's it. That's all you need. That's all there is to it. And, and I hadn't found that verse. But I will show you some scripture right quick. The first thing is that happened of the two things I'm talking about was that all of the disciples, disciples, now I'm not talking about people that didn't know who Jesus was or never followed him or sat under him, but all of them ran. They were all scattered. They were scared, full of fear. And then you have Peter, not only, now again, this is the same Peter, folks, that had walked on the water, he saw Lazarus come out of the grave. He was the same Peter that watched Jesus be transfigured on a mountain. That Peter. All right? But when it come down to do it again, warming his hands by the fire, this is what happened to Peter. He started swearing and cussing, and he even lied that he even knew who Jesus was. I'm preaching the Bible to you all today. He lied. He was saved. I need to make that clear because we got a lot of people who have been brainwashed into believing something that the Bible has never said or even insinuated. Peter was warming his hands. They said, you know him? Nope, nope. And you know, then the rooster crowed after three times. And he told a lie that he didn't even know Jesus. But however... When he locked eyes with Jesus that told him he was going to do that, the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. He repented, an old-fashioned word, folks. He knew he had done wrong. 
And a lot of people, when they do wrong in church, they just leave church and don't go anywhere, and they just don't. But the Bible says, do your first works over again. When you know, look, man, own it. Man up to it. Just say, Jesus, I dropped the ball. I was wrong, and I'm sorry. And get back up again. Get on your feet. I just preached that not too many weeks ago. And that's exactly what Peter did. But something happened, folks. You see, he was able to suit up on what Paul would later explain is the whole armor of God. Now, if, if, if it was all just okay at salvation and there wasn't somewhere else, if, if it was not able to draw near to him and sing praises that he actually comes and inhabits, then the Bible would not have said that. But something happened to this Peter who was a, a believer, a disciple. He was a convert, but he did all those things and he repented, but he was also present on the day of Pentecost. And then the Bible says, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, something changes and Peter begins to boldly proclaim the word of God. Peter no longer is running out of fear. Peter's standing around uh, some other disciples, but a whole field full of people from nations all over the world, and they are mocking, making fun of, because see, Satan started this ploy 2,000 years ago. See, he, as I've told you, he couldn't stop the power from coming, but he stepped onto the scene immediately, and he had people there mocking the Holy Ghost and God being poured out through his Spirit on mankind, and he used them to say everything. They're drunk. They're out of their mind. These are old beggars and paupers. They're unlearned people. Look at them. They're hicks, they're rednecks. And he says, the devil had people on the scene immediately to doubt the outpouring and try to dispute and dispel what God had done, but they couldn't do it. They could not, you could not doubt it. They said, we hear people speaking in our own languages. And there were people from all over the world speaking in their own language, native language that they heard. And so, see, Satan has never stopped that. He said, well, I can't stop it from happening. I couldn't really do anything but get them men to say these men are drunk. And then Peter said, no, sir, we're not drunk on what you're talking about, but we have been filled with new wine, you see. It's called the Holy Ghost. It's called the Spirit of God. And he went through and explained everything about how they had nailed Jesus to the cross and how they were eyewitnesses. They weren't just making this up. They had seen this Jesus. They had walked with this Jesus. They had witnessed this Jesus be crucified and rise from the dead. They had touched this Jesus after he was in the flesh again, after being risen from the grave, and they couldn't do anything with it. But ever since then, he said, well, I couldn't stop it then, and I tried to get them to hurt the people's feelings and say all this. He said, so what I'll do, I'll just go in an unexpected place. I'll go in the church. I'll go into the seminaries. I'll go behind the pulpits. I'll get a lot of scholars that have a lot of clout with people, 
in man's eyes, and I'll get them just to talk it down, that it's not existent anymore, or it died when the apostles died. That's a lie, folks. It's not in the Bible. You can take and you can clip different parts of a verse and verse and verse and verse and try to make one to fit your doctrine, but you are dispelling and dispensing a lie from Satan to try to keep the church powerless. And he's been doing this for 2,000 years. See, he can handle you coming. Don't be offended at this. He can handle you coming to church and paying tithes and buying books. He can handle you doing all this. But he cannot handle you suiting up because you're full of the whole armor of God. You used to be shy, but now you're boldly telling people about Jesus. You're boldly going up when people ask you for prayer. You say, well, come here. I got some more right here. Let me pray for you right now. See, only the Holy Ghost will do that for you, and you've got to know that today in this church service. You can't do it. You can say, well, there's no need of it. So you're telling me, I, I, and, and I want to stay in. I, I want to stay in that place I'm supposed to stay in today. So all of you that believe that, if there's anybody here that we don't need it anymore, so times are a lot better today than they were 2,000 years ago. The world is not as sick and cruel as it was 2,000 years ago. Friend, honey, however you want me to address you, if the Holy Ghost was needed 2,000 years ago, you can bet your bottom dollar and your last breath. We need the Spirit of God breathing in and through us this day we're living in. So he's used people. He's used doctrine, which is man-made up. See, when people can't find a Bible verse or Scripture to define what they want to be, or how they want to live, or how they want to be known, they'll just make stuff up. Satan's behind it. He's been behind it. There's denominations that teach people. There's seminaries. There's books. There's well-known people. And all of it's been a clever lie to keep the church at bay so you are not causing him any more trouble than a little bit of church, a little bit of devotion, doing the sweeping yards and raking leaves and, and helping people, give people lunches and all that. Nothing wrong with all that. We're the, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. But he don't want you going in casting out devils and looking through a situation, speaking into somebody's life and warning them that they're one step away from hell. He just can't handle that level of a person, so he'll do everything to keep you down and out and quiet so that you don't cause him pain and trouble, you see. You see, and I know a lot of people are wrestling with a lot of things right now. But the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in, in Acts 4.31, the Holy Spirit will allow you and help you and turn you into a person that actually boldly proclaims the Word of God. And when they had prayed, let me, let me say this before we read this scripture. Peter these men had been, they had been questioned. They'd been locked up because, see, you, you just can't shut the fire up and down. And it was spreading mighty fast. 
not by the dozens, but by the thousands, folks. It, it was spreading by the thousands. And these religious, here, it, it's always been religious people. It was religious people that crucified Jesus, okay? And it's always been the religious community that's been anti-word of God. Because Satan has been able to do that, that's the least expected place you'll ever hear. You wouldn't suspect the religious community to be against the whole word of God, but that's who's been responsible for it. And so this same religious group said, listen, we can't deny this man's over 40. We, we can't deny this miracle that's taken place. He's over 40 years old. He's been this way his whole life. But we need to threaten them that they not speak anymore in that name, that name Jesus. That was the same name, by the way, if you're keeping up with this, that Peter had not long ago before the pouring and the filling of the Holy Ghost denied that he even knew. Now he's raising Cain all over town. He's yelling and screaming the name of Jesus. Only the Holy Ghost will make you that froggy, friend. And so they said, well, listen, we're just going to call them in here. We're going to threaten them. They better not do this anymore in that name. Peter said, listen, God can judge whether or not you were right or we should obey you. He said, but we can only do the things which we have seen and heard. We can only do those things. And they, when they had, so they went back and they reported this to the church family because they were having to meet underground, you see. And they went and met with their church family. Verse 31 said, And when they had prayed, after telling everything that had just happened, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. With boldness. You see? And then the Bible says over in Acts 2.11 that not only will the Holy Spirit cause you to speak the word of God with boldness, but it will also cause you to speak the wonderful works of God. And I, I'm telling you these two things for a reason. So I hope you're listening because if you don't listen to what I just said, you're going to get highly offended at what I'm about to say. So you need to hear the scripture that I'm prefacing the statement I'm about to make. So they all spoke the word of God with boldness. Verse 11 of chapter 2 says, The Cretans and Arabs, and he was calling all the different people that were represented after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He said, We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now what I want to say, I told you how I was raised, where I went to school, type of school I went in and all that. This is where a lot of people that I have been around a long time in my life, probably will have a little hard lump with what I'm saying right now. And that is, every time in the Bible that people were filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible doesn't say every single time that every person spoke in tongues. I'm telling you what the Bible, don't nobody gloat and glare and woo because a lot of people say you only have, you only are filled with the Holy Ghost 
when you speak in tongues, when in a minute I'll tell you that the gifts, speaking in tongues is one of the nine gifts. Now, I'll tell you this. There's a great chance they probably did because it's that thick of a power. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just can't help it, you see. When it gets in you, you don't have control what I'm talking about. And I'm going to say this. This is where a lot of people are going to get upset too. Maybe, and I hope not, but I'm trying to bring everybody to the same page, and this is the page I'm talking about, the Word of God. I'm not saying you won't speak in tongues, but I'm just telling you, and this was before Pentecost because somebody will want to bring that to my attention. Do you remember when Mary went after she was given the announcement and she went to her cousin Elizabeth? Y'all remember that? And she was six months pregnant. The minute she walked into the door, that the Bible says she was filled, the baby John the Baptist leaped inside of her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and she began to sing a song. Now Mary understood that song she was singing. It didn't say she spoke in an unknown tongue, but it didn't say she didn't. So I want to point all this out. I do want to say this. I read two scriptures to you just then that said this, that you will definitely, without any question, when you are filled, because it's part of the whole armor of God, you see, you're going to have the sword of the Spirit. Your feet are going to be shod with the preparation of the gospel. You're going to boldly pro proclaim the word of God and you're going to give glory to God. That's the wonderful works of God. So, if you grew up and you've always had no problem speaking in tongues, but you've never boldly proclaimed the word of God or publicly talked about the goodness and wonderful works of God, you don't have, you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost of the Bible. That's exactly how I knew that was going to go over. You have not been filled with that Holy Ghost. That Holy Ghost, I, and again, I just read two scripts. Did I not read them to you? One said that they, they didn't say it spoke in tongues, but it did say they spoke the word of God boldly and the other one said they spoke the word through wonderful works. That's what it said. So if you've been a person or you know of people that have no problem and see a lot of this growing up. Now, we, we were, I, I grew up with some godly people that lived it. You hear me? And they had the real, they had the real experience. They did. That's why when you see the real, it'll make you hungry for it. Now, when you see the fake phony, it'll make you run from it. And it'll make people label it. And that's what people have done. Because a lot of people get caught up in emotionalism. They get caught up in the flesh. But the Word of God says, no question, you, when you, you can't help it. You can't help but brag on God and give God glory when you are speaking in tongues. You are giving God glory. You are praying to God in the Spirit. But absolutely, you're going to speak it boldly and you're going to talk about His wonderful works. A few years ago, my mother-in-law, Brenda, her sister, Marjorie, who has gone on to be with the Lord now, I think I've told you this a few years ago, her husband was a pastor, and she was a minister herself. Well, in the last part of her life, she had developed dementia and 
pretty much full-blown Alzheimer's, and she was at a very nice facility right up the street in Pinehurst for those kind of people. A nice facility, very nice. This, this has happened within the last five years or less than that. And one day, I'm just trying to, dem I'm, I'm trying to give you an example of what I just said. One day, when she was in the dining hall, living room, there were people, and not everybody was, was to that degree. Some people were just retired. And she was in there, and she would just begin to pray. She began to pray in the Spirit. And there was a couple or some folks over that overheard her. They, and I get the, I, I feel the Holy Ghost when I say this. They asked one of the workers there at that facility, where is she from? Where is she from? Because we're Jewish, and we hear her talking about God in our native language. Now, folks, you could say she got lucky. Well, go on and get lucky with some Portuguese for me right quick. Go on and get lucky with some French for me right quick. Come on. You see, Satan has always tried to use the dignified religious community to shut down the power of God because it's repulsive to them. They don't want that part. They just want the part that looks good, that's not offensive, that will still get them voted in certain places in the community and in the culture, and they'll still be included in all the hoopla and all that. Listen to me. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, he said. That's what the Bible says. And another guy, I'm really, really trying to hurry today, but I knew I, I'm working on something for, that's 2,000 years, been a problem for 2,000 years. I can't whip it out in 20 minutes. Y'all are with me on that, right? And I hope that and this might be the difference in you tearing the devil's kingdom down next week or him tearing your kingdom down. So anyway, Stephen was another guy that the Bible says in Acts 7.55, let me read the scripture to you. It says, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, see, you can only do this if you're full of something other than yourself or doctrine or what somebody's creed. Or, you can only do this when you're full of the Lord, okay? But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. He was able to do this. Some of you may not know this story. As they were beginning to hurl stones at him, get ready to, to, to execute him. Notice how he did not try to save his skin. Notice how he didn't try to say, well, it's not, it, it's not like it is. He didn't try to defend himself. And, and he didn't say, well... That happened, you know, in that upper room. But God don't do that. In, he didn't do that, folks. He was in the power of God, boldly professing the name of Jesus Christ 
And they could not stand that because that was going against what they had been told and what they had been indoctrinated with and it just didn't gel with a bunch of religious know-it-all. But God said, that's okay. He's about to be in my presence and he's going to go out with a bang telling the truth full of the Holy Ghost. That's the way you want to go home, by the way. Now... I want to, in not closing, I want to try to give you an example, if I can, of what I'm talking about, because I got some scripture that we've got to read together. Um, and I want this to, I want this to be something that, in some kind of way, everybody here can understand what I'm trying to tell you today, if, if you, when you are saved, you know, a lot of people are good with a, a sling blade mentality. This is good. This is getting the job done. And, you know, everybody that says there's more than a sling blade, they're just, they're, they're incorrect. That's not for today. Sling blades for today. No good. This is all they need. By the way, some of you adults, will you explain what this is actually for to children later on? Okay. Uh, and, and I kind of mean that serious because I don't know what this is. So anyway, I might think it's a, a broken rake or something, but this is the mentality of a lot of people when you're saved, you know. I'm good. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. And you are exactly right. If you've repented and you are in an active, visible, obvious relationship with Jesus Christ, you are on your way to heaven. But if you just think that because you said a sinner's prayer and you live like hell during the week, you're not on your way to heaven. You're not. I don't care. I don't care what nobody told you. I don't care. I had somebody ask me the other week and I think I told you this. Uh about eternal security. I said, I'm going to tell you how I feel about eternal I don't have a feeling about eternal security. I can tell you this, 100%, I know that I'm eternally secure. I said, but I, I can't say that for everybody that says, well, I'm a Christian. I can't say that for everybody that said, Lord, Lord. And I'm not the one that said that, by the way. What, everybody that says, Lord, Lord, won't enter in. We cast out demons. We fed the poor. We've given our body, 1 Corinthians 13, we've given our body to be burned. What you mean we can't go in? The Lord says, you were a, I never knew you. I never knew you. So when a lot of people get saved, they're with the sling blade mentality. But see, the difference is, and, and you can, you can do a lot of work with this right here. I've done a lot of work with one of these, by the way. But you see, folks, when you are open because I'm going to tell you in a minute, it's just a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. But when you're open to letting the Lord have every bit of you, then when God fills you with the Holy Ghost, see, that sling blade turns into like a power tool. Amen? Oh, yeah. You got power on your side now. And you know, 
and you're getting a lot of work because you, you, you go from a sling blade to a weed eater to a bush hog, you see. Because that's the way the Holy Ghost moves. That's the way a spirit-filled person moves. A lot of people stand back with the sling blade and they watch other people do that. But see, the Bible says you too can taste and see that the Lord is good. You can do it. And see, when, when, when you are filled with the Spirit, there's all kind of power and there's all kind of things that you can do when you're full of the Spirit, number one, because you're not scared anymore. How many times have we talked about fear in the past two, two and a half years? Amen? There's been a lot of running away from the campfire. Nobody likes this. There's been a lot of running away from the campfire in the past two years. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it, but I'm saying it anyway. A lot of running. God is, my mama's dead, but I got a scripture that she put in my heart. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Power, love, and a sound mind, friend. And I want to tell you today, that power is when you allow God to have every bit of you. That power is when you realize, I can't get it all done with a sling blade. I got some devils in my world. I got some demons after my children. I've got some demons that I work with. I got to have the power of the Holy Ghost going with me tomorrow. Because you know what? I'm telling you the truth here today. The sling blade Christian will just back up and let him run ravage and wreak havoc and just boo-hoo and cry. But the righteous are as bold as a lion, the Bible says. So, this is another thing. When you are saved... Everybody knows a song. That says this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Well, see, when we were talking about Peter around the fire a while ago, I told you what happened, didn't I? He was he was a follower of Christ. He was a disciple. This is what happened, though, to Peter's life. <laughs> Amen? We all agree on, do we agree on the Scripture to not just say yes or no? Yes. After that moment, Peter, as I told you, was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then the next time the devil tried that, see, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, <laughs> he can blow all day long with threats and accusations, but he can't extinguish because you're full of the power of God. You're not running on doctrine now. You're not depending on old tenets and statutes and church teachings, but you are operating your life under the power of the anointing and the filling of the Holy Ghost. And there is nothing, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper or prevail. No weapon. That's what happens right there. And Satan knows that. So when you are baptized, please, y'all just bear with me. Will y'all just give me a few more minutes? Please, when you're baptized, when you are saved, you are baptized into Jesus Christ. That's why it's followed by 
an outward sign called water baptism. That, that's the Bible. That's not my opinion again. That's what the Bible says. Go and be baptized. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, an outward sign that you read all through the Bible, and I know what I told you a while ago, but just, just about every occasion, people spoke in tongues. That was a sign. They weren't speaking in tongues for people. So what I'm trying to do, I'm, I'm not trying to do, some people are wrong when they have classes and all these things about tongues. That, that's, that's not in this book. See, when you get along with God and you give God all of you, you don't know what God can do to you. You don't know, none of us know what God can do to us, for us, and through us, and with us. We don't know this. But everybody, everybody, can and is included in the gift. I told you what Peter said earlier in Acts 2.39, promises not unto you and your children uh, only, but to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Are we afar off? Are we further? Are we 2,000 years later? Yeah. Do you think the Spirit of God is still willing to save people and He's drawing people? Okay, that's what we just talked about. As many as are fall, who the Lord will call. He's calling people today. Whosoever will, let him come. Everybody's included. Nobody's excluded. Nobody's excluded. Paul was at Ephesus, and he was there, and they were talking to them about, there was a group of about 12 men. He said, have y'all been filled with the Holy Ghost yet? Since you, belie since you believe, they said, we, we don't even... Know if there'd be a such thing as the Holy Ghost. And then he began to talk to these men, and you can read it, you can read it in its entirety. But I want to tell you today, as he began to talk to them and explain, there was the other baptism that was available. They were baptized. John was a forerunner of Jesus Christ but there was a, another baptism and when he began to pray and preach and lay his hands on them men the Bible says all, 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 all 12 of them were filled with the Holy Ghost all 12 of them they were filled with the Holy Ghost so nobody is excluded from it it's, it is something that a lot of people say, well, when you get saved again, you, you know, you're filled with, you have the Spirit. You can't be saved, I told you, without the Spirit. But see, there's a place you can get to where it's just you and the Lord. You love the Lord. You're crying out to the Lord. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, what shall you be? Filled. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about being filled. And I'll tell you, that you can be filled as much as you want to be filled. When you're weary, when you're low, you just begin to call and magnify that name and you can be filled. Because God's not out. He hadn't ran out and he hadn't stopped. Does anybody want to say the amen to that? He hadn't stopped. Don't let nobody talk you out of the power of God. Don't let nobody rob you. And it, it's funny to me that the Bible describes the devil as the thief that comes to do nothing but to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. 
And this is why the Bible tells us, you know, that we can pray when we put on the whole armor of God. We can not only pray with understanding, but we can pray in the Spirit. The devil does not know the code to that language, by the way. That happens to me more way outside of the church than it ever happens in the church, by the way. I, it happens in my car. It happens walking in the yard. It, it's between me and God. It's when I can't help it. If I try to, if I try to just keep it at bay and keep it quiet, I can't do it, folks. When the power of God, when you get all of you out of you, then God will show you what he can do, and it'll come out of your mouth. It'll come out of your eyes. It'll come out of your hands. You'll go all over the world. You won't, be a, you won't be a fire runner. You won't run away from the fire. That's what it'll do. But Satan has somehow very carefully been able to pull that away. There is a such thing. I'm trying to close, kind of, before I read. I, but, but can we go ahead and read something that I got to read today? Well, can I do it anyway? Okay. All Bible. No me, no ranting, no raving, no nothing, no examples, no props. Bible. Will you follow along with me? Jude. Listen. I don't know if everybody's heard this, what we're about to read. A bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints, for certain men, here we go, this is what I've been telling you for about 45 minutes, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you though, once you were you knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, here we go, folks, the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Everybody said, hey, that was the angels. That was the angels, okay? He's reserved it because they did something they were not to do. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring accusation against him, a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these, talking about these people that's crept in, these people that are... All that, religious people, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know. It's funny to me, people that can talk down against the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the gifts of the Spirit are the people that's never been filled with it. That's like me telling you all about why I wouldn't go to Hawaii. 
I ain't never been, y'all. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts and these things, they corrupt themselves. Woe to them. Did y'all hear that? Woe. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. King James says, gainsaying of Korah, but that's what it is, the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feast. He's not talking to sinners, folks. He's talking to people that's crept in. He, these are spots in your love feast. While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds. They, they, they don't have power, sling blades. They are clouds without water, carried about by the wind, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. And now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinner have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. This is the upper crust we're talking about. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers. You remember 2,000 years ago it started with saying, they're drunk on wine. It's not real. And we know we've had a, a, a situation recently where people don't even have a problem showing videos blaspheming and mocking and all this uh, uh, all, all in an attempt that they don't even know what they have done so it's never stopped it won't stop but it should make the church more adamant to get all that God will release to you before the trumpet sounds so but you beloved remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ how they told you there would be these mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause division. Amen? Amen. And having not the Spirit, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and on some having compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory. Here we go with the magnificent word of God. Glory, wise, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Amen. The difference in sling blades and this is the difference in between a follower and a fan. 
I want you to get this so bad today, what I'm trying to share. I'm going to use something that I particularly don't even want to use, but I'm more concerned about this. I was told this week that there was a country music artist. I hate that word. An artist is Bob Ross. Amen? It's your world, color. A country music singer, come on, had a big concert in Texas or somewhere and had postponed it because he was an avid Carolina fan for 30, 40 years, I don't know, and ha has been following them and said, I right, look, this is a chance in a lifetime. I'll make it up to these people that bought tickets, but I'm going with my family to this that I'll never get to see again. And you know they were play, playing Duke, Coach K. That's all I'm saying about that. But I was thinking about that yesterday and God brought a point out to me about that. You know, a follower follows with someone or something as they move. But you know what a fan does? A fan just simply observes someone or something as they move. A follower will go with you and they don't care if you bought tickets they don't care if you're going to trash them on social media. This is a chance of a lifetime to do this with my family. And I'm telling you right now, God is ready for people to quit being a fan and being a sling blade carrier. He's ready for you to be a bona fide follower and not care how people label you or disown you or how you even feel about the subject yourself. God's ready for you to allow him to complete the full work of Jesus Christ in you before you die or the trumpet sound. Now I'm getting ready to close. The word blasphemy, you don't have to be filled with the Spirit, as I said, to go to heaven. Luke chapter 11 verse 13 says, and this is Jesus, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now, did I say salvation? No. So the Lord Jesus must be talking about something separate than salvation. Amen. I'm reading the Bible, folks. He says it's a matter of asking. If you know how to give your children anything and everything or, or strangers, how much more if you just simply ask him? Now, I want to tell all the modern-day theologians and the people that's helped the devil out to keep the church scared and at bay, uh, I think Jesus would have added a part. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to the ask them until the apostles die out? He didn't say it. It ain't in there. Can't find it. I've read it many times. You can't even take uh, 50 scriptures and put together to make that lie from hell up. I don't care who you tell, you work with or your family member. I tell them, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's noted in the Bible. It started 2,000 years ago. Mocking, making fun of, keeping people away. They did the same thing with the body of Jesus. Oh, he didn't rise from the dead. His disciples come and got him during the night. He wasn't really dead. He was just knocked out cold under a heavy anesthesia. That's all theories. You know that, don't you? Well, maybe you don't. That's theories. 
conspiracy theories, uh, misinformation, whatever you want to say that can make you understand. And so, people, you don't have to ask the Lord for the gift of the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. It's a gift. If you desire, he said earnestly desire, but you don't have to. It's a gift. If you're scared of it and the sling blade is just the right fit for you, you don't have to ask for it. But there's one thing you absolutely cannot do. You cannot blaspheme it. You cannot say it's not real. You cannot make fun of it. You can't be condescending to people who walk in it, who have it. You can't say anything about it because even if it did not exist now, which it does, then you are blaspheming when it happened 2,000 years ago. So you can tell all your friends, all your classmates, and you can tell them this, 35 times this form, this word blaspheme was used in the New Testament. And it means simply to speak um, reproachfully or to rail on. That's what it means. So you can't, you don't have to, you don't have to even say, well, I, I heard all those Bible verses, but we were just taught different than that. You cannot say anything negative because you're talking against. The Bible says, whoever says a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever says a word against the Holy Ghost or blaspheme, there's no hope for them. I didn't make that one up neither. Has anybody else besides me ever read that in there? Well, that's not really blaspheming. You tell, you, if that makes you feel good, do it. Now, I want you to stand with me this morning. And I know that I've given you a lot of information. This might have been the hardest message I've ever had to preach because... I know that there's all kind of opinions and all kind of feelings. This is exactly why I didn't give you my opinion. I didn't give you my feeling. I don't have a feeling. I have the Word of God that's a lamp for my feet and a light by, and I'm not interested. I know people that I went to college with that would probably never speak to me again, probably professors. But I didn't say anything, but I read the Word of God. I know of people that's got teachings that say, Oh, you got to do this or you ain't got it. I read to you the Bible. You see, a lot of people have not read the Bible rightly dividing the truth. So, I, I'm not available for discussion about this right here. I ain't give you my opinion. If I don't, well, this is how I feel about this. We'll talk about it. But I've discussed for, for over an hour with you what the Bible says about this right here. There's nothing else for me to say. And a lot of you say, well, I don't need you to hear nothing else. Man, you killed me today. But you'll go home and sit in front of a TV full of lies and damnation for eight hours. Not even go to the bathroom when you're about to explode. Amen? Yeah, I'm telling the truth. Yeah, I'm telling the truth. See, we got a different standard for God. Amen? I've been doing this a long time, and I understand that the devil is a roaring lion roaming to and fro. 
seeking whom he he might can't keep you out of church but if he can keep you after wanting more God he's going to do that Father I love you this morning I love your word oh God I love these people and God there's no way for me to tell people in a human language what it's like when you come over me, Lord, and you feel me. And I begin to pray in a way that I don't even understand, and it feels like all of hell runs a thousand miles an hour away from me. I can't explain that to people, Lord. But I can tell them that you said it's available to be filled with your spirit and walk in it every day and live a victorious life and not every wind comes along and blows their candle out, Lord. I'm not trying to draw out service and I'm not trying to do anything, but is there any, any person that you've gone beyond your flesh if you just want more of God, if it's in the Bible, you want more of God. I just want you to stand at this altar so we can pray together before you go, and then everybody can go home. I just want more of God. That's all I want. Whatever that looks like, whatever that turns out to be, driving down the road or when I kneel by my bed in the morning at 5 a.m. I just want more of you, Lord. And as you tell the Lord that in your own words, I'm just going to tell anybody that's not a believer, all you have to do is, like we've already said, you've got to understand Jesus went to that cross for you. Jesus bled for you. Jesus shed that blood because your sin. And all that it requires is saying, Lord, I repent, I believe I'm wrong, Lord, and I want to be saved by the blood. I want my name written down. The Bible says that the Lord is faithful and just and he's willing to forgive and cleanse you from all sin. And God, and I thank you for every soul today. I thank you for your word today. And God, and I pray if people are upset and don't receive it, God, please don't let anybody make the mistake, mistake of talking against your word. They may use my name but Lord, I've, I, I haven't said anything but what your word has said. I didn't quote my scriptures. I don't have any. I quoted yours. Help us, Lord, to long for you and want you, Lord. God, we need to be filled with the Spirit in this day and hour we're living in. We've seen too much suicide. We've seen too much drug. We've seen too many people that's left home. We've seen too many people, Lord, 
that's completely turned away from you, Lord, and have no desire for you or the things of you. We've seen, Lord, too much bitterness. We've seen too much hate. We've seen too much prejudice, Lord. God, and when we are filled with the Spirit, Lord, God, nothing blows that light out, Lord, because it's all you and none of me. taking a minute to just spend time glorifying him that's all we're doing I know the world we are all about to walk back into when we leave these doors it's waiting on our phones it's waiting on our TVs it's waiting on our computers again rain on me for any less than what this Bible says. The Bible says that God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. For all live, that word live is key, all live unto Him. And I can just give you a quick test here that I give myself. Do I look like I'm living for the Lord or do I look like I'm just dead in the Lord? 
No judging. Nobody has to. I look at that and I read that. You see, I got, I got a long list of family members that didn't have what we have today. But they were full of the power of God. And I've told you about a great granddaddy that my daddy told me about. Had an evangelist there and prayed, knew he wanted fish, no water nowhere near. And he got down in the field and prayed. And when he got up, he heard two or three rows over in a row of corn or something, a fresh big old fish flapping. And I guess you can make that up like you can Portuguese and French, can't you? I, I, I bet there really wasn't a ram in the thicket, were they? You see, somebody's got to draw the line somewhere, folks. Amen? Somebody's got to wake up and say, now, wait a minute. He's told me he's not an impartial God. He don't love them people 2,000 years ago more than he does me. The thing we've done, we've, we've been spooked, a lot of people, and been distracted by the whole tongues thing, you see. See, the devil, he's the father of all lies, and people will tell you that. Imagine, if you're going to fight somebody in a gunfight, they might have a gun, but you're going to do everything you can to keep the bullets away from them, amen? I am. And that's what we're living in. The devil's picking up the birth pangs I talked about. They're fast. They're close together. If you want to know what birth pangs look like, talk to Michelle. She can probably give you tens of thousands of examples. Stories. And I'm telling you, folks, today, the Lord just wants you to know He's a great God and it's a gift. Don't worry about tongues. Don't worry about the gifts. You worry about the giver of the gifts and watch what God does next. He's not, he's not doing anything but just waiting. Father, I pray today that you would protect us. Help us to know what the Bible says and not what people say. I pray, Lord, that we would see that it's available. Help us not to run from it or try to figure you out or try to compare it, or discuss it with anybody. Help us to stay in the Word. That's where all the problem is, Lord. People get outside of the Word, and they go astray. They get off the straight path. They get off the well-lit path. Pray you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. In your sight, O oh Lord. Hungry for the presence of God. There's no place else on this earth like being in the presence of God. The Lord does not return before Wednesday. We pray that we will see you and your entire family Wednesday night at our Laurel Hill campus. God bless you.